Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the Hall of Famer, voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby, and today, episode 49 here on the podcast, and we welcome in two guests. Not often we've had uh, uh, two people grace our presence here in the Boilerball Podcast studios, but today we welcome in Michaela Pat, Director of Marketing and Fan Experience, and Associate AD for Marketing and Fan Experience, Chris Pelliot. Uh, both of you, welcome. Thanks Hello. for having us. So I thought this was a good time of year to have you guys on, and uh, a couple reasons why we wanted to, to have you on. First of all, to talk about the upcoming season and what we've got in store from a fan experience standpoint, but also, too, to just kind of talk about a um, little bit about your backgrounds and things like that. Um, I am constantly getting bombarded with uh, emails, Twitter messages, things like that about the great ideas that go on with our program and I'm constantly texting people or tweeting at people um, your guys's names and contact numbers and saying hey pass it along to them because they are the brains behind all of this um, but just a little bit of a background of kind of what your role is you know with our program here I'll start I mean I've been here about seven years now this is my eighth season so overall I oversee the marketing fan experience graphics uh, we also have concessions now kind of under our umbrella so you know in general I joke with everybody my job is to kind of stay out of the way and let everybody else do their job but hopefully um, at the end of the day we're promoting our programs and we're providing an environment um, at our games that fans of you know really all ages and students and um, everybody affiliated, our players can enjoy, and that's that's the ultimate goal. So that's uh, that's what we focus on every day. Yep, and to echo that uh, more directly, I work on um, scripting everything that goes on uh, from the moment you walk in uh, to the game to the moment you leave. Every video, music, um, basically everything other than what's going on on the court. That's what we like to say um, we're in charge of. So uh, we coordinate coordinate with all the different groups uh, to make sure we have the best environment we can uh, for the Boilermakers and then getting people there is another big part of our job is um, putting together promotions and packages to uh, try and get um, butts and seats. Well there's a lot that goes into this I mean you talked about there's an in-game element which let's get to that in a minute but first kind of the uh, the pre-game element so to speak so like right now this time of year our, our ticket sales went, o- went on sale over the summer for people to renew or buy season tickets and uh, now as we are in the, um, October the taping of this practices are underway um, we have an exhibition game here and it's crazy to say this but in like three weeks yeah. under three weeks now um, so this this time of year we're starting to push uh, other uh, mini pa- mini plans, single game tickets, that kind of thing. So talk about when this process starts, the planning for 2018-19. When did, how far back do you guys start working on this? I mean, we're we're working on it really even prior to the previous season ending, but we start really putting things down and ideas down in April. You know, once the season comes to a close, we start doing that and then uh, uh, get you guys as a staff involved a little bit, but we're we're really starting to think and strategize a little bit as the season starts to wind down and then we really um, get more into it once it's everybody's done traveling in, in April and um, start making that plan for the fall. Yep, and I think, uh, this uh, is a clip. Yeah. Oh, well, go ahead, Larry. Me. I, yeah, I was just going to say that <clears throat> uh, I'm interested in knowing what the Bible is. Uh, what Do you have a manual that you go by? Um, right. Things have changed so much, so much in the last 10 years that I mean, to the good, um, 
and it's just amazing to you. I mean, is there anything that you guys go by, you know, a year in advance, two years in advance to say this and that? Do you look at other programs? Do you look at how, how do you pursue this as a profession and get success out of it? Yeah, I mean, I think we we're always looking. There isn't there isn't a book, you know, that we uh, we can focus on. It'd be great if there was, but uh, our staff and Mikhail in particular. I mean, I think we, they all do a really good job of seeing what, whether it's other schools or other uh, professional teams or whatever that's out there, um, that's uh, uh, you know fun, engaging, uh, may help us sell tickets, and and then looking at ways to modify or, or bring those into our program and, and ways that we could offer them. So I think we're always watching an idea for, you know, that maybe comes at basketball for an in-game or a, a fan engagement may come from a baseball game that, you know, one of us went to over the summer or a year ago or whatever. So it's one of those things where we're always, it's hard to go to games anymore and actually watch, not our games in, in particular, but if I go to a baseball game or a football game, like I'm not really watching the game anymore. I'm really kind of seeing what, what goes on and, and, yeah. and saying like, Hey, does that, does that uh, apply? And I'll, I'll text Michaela or vice versa. Like, Hey, we, I saw this at the Reds game or I saw this at a Cardinals game. And um, you know, what, what do we think? And so I think that's kind of how at least I go about it. Yeah. I'm a big concert fan too. So when it comes to uh, pregame spectaculars, I guess I like to, take uh, inspiration from other other things outside of sports too um but we we do a pretty extensive planning document that's kind of our roadmap for the season and um, we evaluate that with uh with our, within ourselves with the uh, coaches and staff after after each season and that really helps us kind of um, pick and choose okay what worked what didn't and what can we change and so um that that kind of document helps us year over year figure out you know these these five things work but let's try some new stuff and that's, I think, um, part of why we've been able to continue to grow, um, whether it's in-game or, or uh, ticket sales. Uh, we're, talk about your background, each of you. Um, how did you get into this? Um, what kind of pulled you? Uh, it's obvious. I mean, I don't think anybody in athletics, I think anybody, everybody in athletics, I would wager, has a passion for what they do. I mean, you're not going to work the hours we work and things like that if you don't. Um, so what... You know what? What pulled you in this direction, and when did it start? And what's your background? Where the schools were you at before you ended up here at Purdue? Yeah, um, I got interested in sports marketing in high school. Actually, I had to job shadow um, and job shadowed the director of marketing at a basketball game at Nebraska, which back when I was in school was nothing like it is now. So um, it was a it was an experience, and to be able to be analytical and plan things out, but also be creative and work in sports, kind of all of those things combined. Um, really interested me. So I went to Nebraska as a student and worked in marketing um, and then moved out here right after I graduated for uh, what was supposed to be a two-year position. And um, timing timing is everything, I think, in this industry. And um, six years later, I'm still here. So um, I've continued to, to work hard um, at Purdue, and, and I'm happy to stay in the Big Ten. Yeah, and I'm a little older than Michaela, so my background's a little. Uh, I got into it um, when I went to. I started to go to college, and I uh, was going to be uh, an accounting major because uh, I was always liked and thought I was good at math. And then decided that I didn't want to do that for 50 years, and so my dad was uh, kind of frustrated uh, with uh, my pursuits in college. And, and he mentioned a local school I grew up outside of St. Louis was starting a sport management program, and this was mid 90s so it isn't wasn't as popular as uh as it is today but 
Um, so I looked into that a little bit, decided to apply and got accepted to uh, University of Massachusetts, um, which is one of, yeah, I'm biased, but I'll say the premier uh, program. Them in Ohio are the, are the two oldest and most well-known, I think, programs for sport management. But went up there and was exposed to a lot of uh, um, uh, different uh, companies and approaches and, and applications. And so really enjoyed sport management um, aspect. And after I graduated, um, part of my program was doing an internship uh, I got at the Missouri Valley Conference um, in uh, 1999. And then from there went and spent a really little more than a football season at the Naval Academy in their ticket office and then what got a job at the Air Force Academy um, after that and was at uh, Air Force for about 11 years, kind of moved up from assistant manager to um, associate the AD there, mm-hmm. overseeing ticket sales and operations and a little bit of marketing, but nothing official. I just did some things with our hockey program and stuff. And then got the opportunity to come to Purdue in 2011, um, and uh, I've enjoyed it ever since. Um, it, it's it, it's it's fun when you can you, you enjoy what you do. It is a lot of hours, like like you said, Elliot. But uh, really, wouldn't trade it. I think, uh, and I might be wrong, but I first uh, sports management uh, major in college was at Ohio University. It was in Athens, probably in the late 60s. Yep, I think they were the '60s, and then UMass came along. I think in the early mid '70s. So they're they're two of the. I think they're the two oldest, and they, you know, most well known um, and most respected programs. There yeah, right I, 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 I was recruited by OU, and um, I got mad at the head coach because he decided to leave town the weekend I was supposed to visit. So <laughs> I took yeah. I took them all. I took them off my list because I was more interested in what it was good for me, not. Uh, what was good for the university, which mm-hmm. I should have been, but uh, yeah, I knew uh, I I worked with a guy in Lafayette who ended up being my boss at one time. He was a sales manager at TV18 and uh, also a general manager at TV18, Tom Combs. He was one of the original guys in that uh, Ohio University Sir. program, and I wanted uh, that was a real interest of mine at that time. That was the reason why I was going to make that visit. I forget the guy's name. I think his I think his last name was Hunter, hmm. uh, the coach. But uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, but anyway, he didn't show. I didn't show, and I didn't go there. But uh, I do remember uh, really being excited about that program being. And that's hard to believe. That's fifty years ago. I was going to ask you how you knew that nugget of information. I mean, <laughs> you you came strong with that one, and I now it yeah. all makes sense. Yeah. Well, um, so. Back to this process now. Um, you guys sit down, you make your plan for the coming season, and, and I sit and we we chat quite a bit, you know, every about a lot of things, but uh, kind of in the off season, kind of getting a game plan together. And the one thing that I'm always clueless about, and I think every time you guys come with ideas about this area, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. When you talk about the ticketing part of it, and you know, whether it's putting together mini plans or whether it's setting price points or different promotional ideas to move tickets, it just seems whatever um, ideas you guys are pushing, we've had a lot of success with. And last year, we're coming off a, a record um, for season t- or for ticket sales, rather. Um, and I think, you know, there's a, it's, it's obviously a two-way street. I mean, we've had success on the court, which obviously helps. But I think also, too, you guys have made it very accessible for people, no matter if you're 
you know, a, a high roller that comes to Lafayette every weekend, or if you're the occasional family that wants to jump in the car and come up from Indianapolis, it seems like there's options available for everybody to attend games. Yeah, I think that's something we really started to try to do. My background, because I've been in the industry for uh, close to 20 years now, which is crazy to even think about, but um, I spent the first 11, 11 years really solely on on ticket sales and packaging and um so, so I've got a background there, and so when I got here, obviously the support level, uh, especially with men's basketball, was uh, really high. But we're also in an area where, you know, accessibility and, and affordability are, are key, um, and we and I think we started that, um, you know, five six years ago and picking opportunities to do that. We can't do that, you know, for the uh, for every game, but there are games and 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 ways to do that to make it. Uh, accessible, uh, whether that's through our kids club, who's what's grown tremendously, or using the break games to to have some of those opportunities. But getting people exposed to our program and our players uh, is paramount, and uh, we don't want that. We don't want cost to be a limiting factor, um, and so it, it's important to us to have those opportunities for for everybody. I think for me, it's a challenge. Um, ticket sales and just how do, how do you fill you know a Tuesday opener against Fairfield that's a challenge and it's fun right it's fun for us um, to be able to think think through those things and, and try and come up with what we're doing there so um, that's how I look at the look at the harder games to sell is okay how do we what can we do um, what can we do here and and really challenge ourselves in those games and that's where our focus is planning because we know that Indiana's and Michigan states um, you know those are going to be great crowds no matter what we do so uh, for us, that those games are the fun games, so we get to do do some different things. Well, I know I look at the the Big Ten schedule always comes out in August, and since I've been working um, with you with you two over the years, the way I view that release of that schedule, I've totally changed my thinking on. I used to just be excited to see you know when we were going where and. I was always uh, of the mindset that you know we needed home games at the end of the year, and um, now I look at it more, I guess, with a marketing mind. And I and it's funny because we're we will always talk before the the schedule's released that from a marketing standpoint, um, you want to avoid late tip off times. You want to avoid um, like weekend games at Purdue seem to just be money in the bank. I mean, I think a lot of our fans would agree that it's hard to beat. Um, a Saturday afternoon game in Mackey. It just seems like we could, uh, you know, the the four of us and one other person could suit up for another team and people would pack Mackey on a Saturday afternoon. Um, Now, you get a Wednesday night 9 o'clock tip, and that's a little bit tougher to to fill. So talk about that process once the schedule comes out in August because you're up against the clock a little bit because we're, we're kind of in a holding pattern until we get that Big Ten schedule. So talk us through that. Once the schedule's released, then what kind of goes into motion? Yeah, I think um, it's a big puzzle piece. We kind of have, I uh, think, throughout the summer on the different themes or things that we want to do. Um, like this year with the Hammer Down Cancer jersey auction, we had that um, kind of planned and going all through the summer, but we didn't know when that would be. So um, when we get that schedule, it's looking at looking at the days and where do we need help and what kind of promotions are going to affect actual ticket sales and how can we how can we place things strategically to to fill the seats every game. Yeah, and else kind of builds our packaging. You know, trying to see right. if there are opportunities to, to leverage or or um, put put an offer out for a game that we maybe didn't think we'd have to, but now it's a weeknight later tip or something along those lines so it drives uh some of the packaging as well 
So talk about this season, uh, 2018-19, um, some of the, I guess, some of the things that surround the games that our fans can, uh, and, I, and I think our fans have gotten to a point where they're excited about those things. We've, we've got to a point where we do the t-shirt game every year, which is always very popular. Um, we do a bobblehead night, uh, usually most seasons. Um, we've we've done the hammer down cancer game now for a handful of seasons. So talk uh, talk us through what some of those uh, where some of those fall on the calendar this year. We start pretty early this year with uh, the Ball State game, the first Saturday game of the year, is going to be our food drive game. Um, we've done that the last couple of years where we've uh, brought in a specialty poster that you can get by donating a can of food. And last year we raised uh, close to 8,000 pounds between two games, um, 8,000 pounds of food for uh, food finders here in town. So um, that's always a fun one for us, and, and it's nice to give back to the community and do something fun. So And what's the poster? Are we going to re- uh, reveal it's that? It's Superhero Night this year. So. We've got um, we've got a, a group of five on there, uh, pretty um, jacked up, I guess you could say. Well, now those posters are so popular, and I I'm reminded of them all the time because they're on my kids' walls in their bedrooms, um, and we have some framed here in the basketball offices that we keep up because obviously kids like it, fans like it, but when we bring recruits around the office and they see that, and then all of a sudden they start envisioning themselves one day on a poster like that as different characters that we've done over the years it's a it's a recruiting tool too and it just it's a win win all the way around but some of the posters we've done in the past star wars mm-hmm. uh top gun top gun, top gun rocky. rocky um i think we've yeah. done star wars a couple of yeah. times we want one of the real photo shoot last year was a was a drawing um and then we had two rocky ones and uh top gun so i think that's the we've done it for three or four years i think that's yeah. the Run of where we're at. And I think our fans listening, I think they're kind of nodding their heads. They, it's very popular with our fans. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're all looking forward this year to the superheroes theme. So other, other items on the schedule? Yeah, we've got um, quite a few kids club games this year. Our kids club has um, grown tremendously. So there's plenty of opportunities for kids club members to come and enjoy that game. Um, they get uh, two free tickets, one for a parent and one for the member. And then um, you know, they can get additional ones for their family. Uh, looking ahead to Indiana, we're going to have a blackout game this year. We've uh, done that the last couple of years, and it's always a fun, um, fun one. And that one for sure, it'll be great to uh, get the red out of Mackey that day. So that'll yeah. be that'll be a fun one. That's also part of a unique weekend for us too. We've got wrestling here in Mackey on Friday night against Indiana. Obviously, men's basketball on Saturday against uh, Indiana, and then Sunday the women uh, close it out uh, against Indiana and Mackey. So we're we're working on kind of a weekend long theme. Um, and, and pack, you know, ideas and giveaways, those types of things that kind of tie those three events together. So that'll be a fun one. Uh, the t-shirt game will be Michigan State on CBS. So that'll be a great, a great chance to kind of show off Mackey to the um, national broadcast. And then uh, Hammer Down Cancer this year um, is going to be against Nebraska. It's February uh, 9th. It's an 8.30 tip, but we, uh, for the first time, are going to be auctioning off jerseys. So we've created some specialty jerseys with uh, Volt accents. We've done an auction with women's basketball for um, quite a few years, and that's gone really well. So we've um, we've added that to the uh, kind of men's lineup, and we're really excited to be able to support uh, the Purdue Center for Cancer Research with that one. Yeah, so fans, mark that. Um, the jerseys we wear in that game will go online and be auctioned off, and we designed those this summer. Uh, Michaela brought a bunch of designs our direction, and we settled on one. It looks really cool. A unique design that we'll wear for that game only, and then uh, all those jerseys will be auctioned off. And with, as she said, the money going to the uh, Purdue Cancer Center. So that's a really cool um, twist to the Hammerdown Cancer game this year. 
Yeah. And then uh, another fan favorite, our bobblehead night, is going to be uh, Etwan Moore this year. So um, he's having a great, uh, great last few years, and we're excited to have him back in Mackey um, during the All-Star break on February 16th. So it should be a lot of fun. I told him, I said, you know, if you can't make that because you're in the All-Star game, that's a good problem to have. Yes, but, that is exactly right. But uh, that game fell right on All-Star weekend. So um, I wanted you brought up the Kids Club. I wanted you to talk about that a little bit. That's one of the things I had on here to talk about. The growth of that has been remarkable over the years. It's very popular. If you've got um, young children and are in the uh, area that can get to games, even if you can't get to games, the benefits you get by just signing up um, are well worth the cost. Um, it's just a great, uh, a great program. And, and how, where are we at now in terms of membership? We're over 3,100, which is uh, crazy, really. I mean, it's been a pet project of mine, and, and our, our team has done a great job uh, supporting it. When I, when I got here, there were 60 kids in the number, or in, in, the, in the club, uh, which was shockingly low, you know, for a Big Ten program, in my, in my opinion. And so we set a goal as a group to get to 1,000 kids in uh, year three, uh, which we did, and it's really just continued to grow. And, and we, we set numbers every every year thinking oh we can't get to 2500 and right. we're not going to get to 3000 and i mean we're we're over 3000 this year where we we thought we might approach 3 um but you know last year was 2500 and it's like man we can't keep growing at 20% a year but we seem to <laughs> uh, which is great you know and we over we really overvalue the program because the whole point is to get kids exposed and involved and give them opportunities and um, you know the tickets Michaela mentioned are a huge benefit but there are some kids where it's $30 to be in there and you get a shirt and this year a backpack and uh, some other things and so we're making that commitment or they're making that commitment of $30 and so the whole point of the tickets is we could easily give them one free ticket right. but we don't know everybody's situation and so giving them an opportunity where they can actually come you know somebody can bring them to a game that's that's important to me and that's important to our group and uh, I think it's really caught on with our our fan base and, and the numbers reflect that and it's a, it's a great thing and see the kids wearing the shirts when they come to the games it's a lot of fun because if they if they get involved at five six seven years old you know they're they're going to stay that way, and that's the whole that's the whole point of that program for for me anyway. Yeah, I think Purdue's unique. I think you have to have a reason to be a Purdue fan for the most part, right? And so that's um, why the program is so important to us is because we we feel like we're building those those reasons and those relationships early. Um, so it's it's really neat to be able to do that. It's, uh, I, I think everybody on our staff. It's part of our um, our favorite things that we do every year. Well, I think that's I mean that's dead on. I mean when you're at an early age when you're, I don't want to say you're told to root for a program, but um, you know how it is. I, like, Larry, how old were you when you were, I mean, were you told to be a Browns fan, Indians fan, or how how early do you, do you no, remember no, that? No, 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 no. No, my, my experience was sitting in the den uh, watching a game on TV, TV with my father. Right. And, and he would love, he would love the Browns, and of course in the 1950s, the Browns were the best football franchise going and um and then you know the indians and then later in 1970 the cavaliers we that was him and i bonding and uh he he was he was definitely the reason why i ever got involved in sports to begin with and boy I, i used to have some great great memories of just sitting there and he'd be so frustrated because uh tribe would <laughs> let one go in the eighth inning you know and, and we'd sit there and say gosh does this ever end 
back in those days. But, um, yeah, that, that's the reason. I think most people are that way. I, I did want to uh, add, though, that, and, I, and Elliot knows this, but I spend a lot of time uh, pre-game uh, just kind of viewing the crowd and you know we don't let uh fans in that early i mean it, it takes about an hour before they can come in but i'll i'll see the kids um and i'll i'll look at the kids uh, the ones that attend the games are the ones that are part of a particular uh promotion and uh man that's that's what it's all about when you see those kids you know eight nine ten eleven years old seven years old and and it's such a great feeling to be in a, in a major arena uh, involved in a major conference uh with so much publicity and hoopla to it it's it, those kids get uh those kids get influenced and that's when you win them that's when you win them that's and i found this out during my uh past here in the last couple of months is that how many people uh, spend their time, um, you know, with me, uh, listening to games and things of that nature and, and how they grow up with it. And, you know, you have to foster that. If you can get those kids, then you got them forever. No, no, no question. And, and, uh, somebody like yourself becomes as big or bigger than the, the program itself. So I think that's a tremendous credit uh, to you and your career. I had similar with growing up in St. Louis with the Cardinals, like Jack Buck was, I got to meet yeah, him. Absolutely. I got, yeah. to, I got to meet him one time and I was like, you know, I mean, he, he made some comment cause I was wearing a Willie McGee Jersey and I just hear the voice from behind me and it's like, that's the Cardinals like talking to me. Uh, cause that was the voice that you heard, you know, growing up and, and you're, you're in that ballpark uh, when it comes to our fans and our, our, uh, our program. And so, I agree 100% um, with with uh, those fans reaching out to you. Well, and that's um, that's what's so cool about you growing this kids club to 3,100. I just see that all the time as like that's 3,100 future potential, you know, and not only athletics, but just kids coming to campus. No question. And, and like right now at Purdue, we have we've had record enrollments. Um, we've had record uh, kids that have applied for admission. And we're at a time when not a lot of not every school can say that. There's schools that are losing students. Their their popular uh, student body size is shrinking, and we are not only heading in the other direction, but in a big way. And it all ties together. And when and Mikhail, as you said, there's there's usually a reason you're a Purdue fan. We've said this on the podcast before. You know, you usually have a family member, or if you've grown up in the area, or you have a direct link to the school. Um, but there are some people who live in Lafayette that have moved here that work either on campus or at one of the industries in Lafayette that don't necessarily have a Purdue background. And if you can get to them now and that becomes their team, then you've got them. You've got them for life. I was just talking over the weekend with uh, with Coach Owens over at Miami of Ohio, and he said uh, his daughters, to this day, they still have all their Purdue gear. And they still want to know what's going on here at Purdue, and he's like, and he's trying to explain to them, hey, that's fine, but we've got another school now too. We're rooting for, right? Okay, we're rooting for Miami of Ohio too, and they kind of look at him like, yeah, whatever, Dad. We're still, we're still Boilermakers, and and he he said it's crazy, and and some of our other assistants, it's the same way, even though they've moved on to other schools and have uh, have had different alma maters themselves, their kids still 
have black and gold in their hearts. So it's it's yeah, it's it, all that stuff just affirms what what uh, what we're doing and what the um, approach is, the right approach is to the young kids. So so in game stuff. Now we've got everything planned. We've got the kind of the plan in motion. Everything set. So now in game stuff. Describe a typical in-game situation for you guys. Where, where are you at? Where do you sit? Where do you stand? And what goes on in-game for you? Kayla runs the show, so I will uh, <laughs> I'll turn that over to her. Um, people Sometimes people are surprised when they ask, like, well, what do you do? Like, I don't understand. I mean, we script out every, every second of the game. So um, my job on game day is just make sure that that happens or if – if a situation calls for it and we need to change the plan, um, that's something we've been trying to get, do better at the last few years um, is that it's a big timeout and we've got this promotion plan, but hey, let's wait. Let's give the crowd 30 seconds to cheer here and just really enjoy the moment and then go into it. So that's kind of um, on game day. I sit up at the very top, uh, section 110, um, up there at the top row of the arena and just kind of take it all in and, and – uh, call the game so to speak but then um lately really have been trying to maneuver maneuver what we're doing to make sure that we have the best atmosphere we can and you've got a lot of people you have to keep happy all right you've got just so our fans understand this um michaela's got you all to be to keep happy first and foremost the fans to make sure that they have a, a great experience in Mackey and to make sure that uh, they're entertained and they want to come back and they want to keep renewing those season tickets but also you, you deal with us quite a bit, and we always want to have a say in certain things because obviously a, a good home environment helps with recruiting and helps with uh, with the things we're trying to get accomplished. But you also work very closely with Purdue Sports Property, who is another um, arm of the athletic department that, uh, no way around it, they're bringing money in. And they are the ones that go out and sell advertisements in, uh, in Mackey, promotional items, uh, sponsorship um, items. So talk about how you have to balance all these different things. Yeah, absolutely. So a sponsor will come in and, um, you know, they usually have a goal. And so we just try and figure out what, you know, is that goal student engagement? Is it, um, you know, Purdue Federal trying to get uh, information about their card out? You know, what's the what's the goal of the sponsor? And then how can we execute that in a media timeout in 40 seconds with uh, making sure it's engaging and people care about it. So it's um, it's definitely a challenge and um, trying to come up with constantly new things, I think is something that we've really focused on the last few years. We don't want to um, just do the same thing over and over again. So um, always trying to mix up, mix up what we do. Sometimes things work and they go um, fantastic. Like, uh, you know, the ask an expert video series we did a few years ago, um, you know, didn't know how that was going to go and it went great. Um, but then sometimes, sometimes things flop and you, you know, frozen that's going to happen. Yeah. We had a frozen Which t-shirt one? contest. We had a frozen was... t-shirt contest that was uh, a little, little too frozen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We couldn't get a, couldn't so, unf- unfold it. You know, sometimes, sometimes things fail, but you just got to move on and, and keep trying new things. I think that's something that um, makes us unique. And Chris's leadership, I think is really a part of that is that he wants us to continue to push the envelope. And I think you guys do too. And, um, to be able to have the freedom to do that. Not a lot of programs have that. And she doesn't give herself enough credit. I mean, the, the light show that's been really popular the last few years, I mean, she brought that right, uh, She right. brought that to the table and, and fully choreographed that with, with the company we work with and uh, put a lot of time into communicating that out to our fan base, and they've really adopted that, and that's become you know, a pretty cool um, aspect of our, of our game day and then the halftime entertainment and stuff. So she, she undersells herself a little bit when it comes to that. Well, and I think, and Larry and I, when we make the rounds in our league or we go to other um, home courts around the country, 
um, it, it, we're as good as it gets in terms of not only in-game atmosphere, and I know the Pinker has a lot to do with that, um, but also the, the pre-game stuff is as good as it gets. And I can't tell you how many times, and I, I've told these two this, but I, this is more for our fans. I've, I've, everywhere we go, I have somebody coming up to me and asking about, hey, how'd you guys do this? How'd you do that? Uh, the light, the pregame light show with the the coordination with that has been a big one over the last couple of years, and everybody know wants to know how we do it, when did it start? Um, I always I always just refer them back to Michaela because uh, it was her brainchild, and and it's grown into I think we're probably at the forefront of that nationally, and uh, and you guys got some awards for that at your national convention, so. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. Um, we're the we have the highest uh, download rate of of that type of app from um, anybody in the country. So um, that's really a testament to the fans kind of taking a hold of that and making that our thing and our tradition. And everybody can do it, but no one can do it as well as we can. So we like to hang our hat on that. Well, and I think you see other you see other schools in our league that have certain traditions, whether it's like Ohio State dotting the I or you know Wisconsin's jump around that kind of thing, but. I think everybody's looking at Purdue basketball and the basketball side of things and saying, "Man, we got to catch them," which is so so cool. And I and you know we we thank you guys quite a bit, um, but you guys are the reason that that happens. And I just saw the other day, uh, Jeff Goodman um, did a, a poll among Big Ten assistant coaches, and he polled everybody or assistant from each team in the league, and they all did it anonymously. But he basically had them rank every aspect of a program so recruiting base arena um, facilities campus everything and we scored first out of 14 in game atmosphere and i'm sure you guys saw that but that was a huge um, that's a huge deal and from our standpoint from the as far as, far as the coaches are concerned when we're bringing uh, 16 17 18 year old kids in for for recruiting visits and they come into an arena like that uh, it really puts us in a good position from a recruiting standpoint. And I think that that's another aspect that I think our fans, um, what makes their job so difficult is that they're, tr- again, they're trying to balance all those different things, but recruiting's part of it too. And uh, and they really help us in that area. We always say if we can get a recruit to Mackey, we're in pretty good shape because they're going to see probably the best atmosphere they're going to see all year. So, And Larry, you, w- you would agree with that. I think when the places we go in our league, um, we're probably as good as it gets. Oh, yeah. Of course, you know, we're tremendously biased. I mean, you know, you have a lot of you have a lot of years to, uh, you know, let that set in. But there's no question. I mean, I can name two or three programs that uh, I think have tremendous game day experiences, but uh, none of them are as good as ours. And we we really you know a lot of people say this you know what's what's the toughest place to play in the big 10 and a lot of people say Mackey arena and i've always said as you know elliot uh, my two favorite places of all time were freedom hall in louisville and Mackey arena and uh, that's how i how i how i rock and roll man i mean of course freedom hall's gone but uh, those days were great too but uh man i mean we have a great game experience, no question about it. And I've never really thought about this, but when we go on into other environments, I think it helps our guys not to be intimidated too, because they're like, "Well, I mean, this is good, but you know, we played it." No, no, yeah, absolutely. I think. Yeah. I, I think I think Maryland right now has a has a great environment. Yeah. 
Uh, and I think um, Michigan State, obviously, as they continue to have so much success, you know, they have a great – Indiana's great. Um, you know, there's about there's about four that uh, rival ours, but I don't know if they can succeed or beat ours. I would agree with that. Those are, those are the places that uh, I find as much uh, – intimidation as i can find but it's fun i mean this whole thing this big 10 experience is really fun to live um especially if you work it because every game is i mean you can you can be five and five ten games into the season and you're going to uh, maryland and you're gonna have a blast man because you know what it feels like to to feel that experience and that that's the big 10 experience yep no i would agree with that well, uh, we uh, end each podcast by doing a final four with all of our guests, so it's time for the final four here on the Boiler Ball Podcast. Again, our guests are Michaela Pat and Chris Pelliot from the Marketing and Fan Experience Office here in the Athletics Department. Uh, quick reminder before we get to the final four: Boiler Ball Podcast at Gmail dot com for all of our listeners to drop uh, comments on uh, any items that uh, you may or questions you may have about the uh, about the podcast. Mm-hmm. First question here on the final four for each of you, and I, th- I know one of these answers. I, I don't know the other one, but what is your go-to music of choice? Pearl Jam for me. I mean, that's <laughs> that's uh, the one I knew. <laughs> most uh, most days, that's uh, that's my soundtrack. It's really hard for me to answer, but I would have to say Ed Sheeran's probably my I could listen to anytime, any place. And you guys have to be up on music because, as one of the things we didn't touch on, um, you know, there's music being played in the arena timeouts and pregame and things like that um a lot of people have opinions on music and i can imagine how frustrating that is because nobody's ever going to be 100 percent satisfied on the music we play in the arenas but uh what's the thought process that goes into all that it's it's a it's a balancing act because you want to you want to keep the kids happy but there are songs that work and they work for a reason and um so trying to balance tradition or um, kind of old school music with with kind of a new blend of things or trying to find things that people react to I think is the biggest thing uh, for me I feel like the last couple of years of music has been rough there's not the the jump arounds and those types of songs don't exist anymore so it's yeah. it's really hard to find find new stuff for people to react to so that's always always a challenge but uh, we just actually yesterday I think settled on um, our lineup song so it should be um, we're excited. It's new. It's different. It's um, nobody else is probably using it, so we're excited about that. But I just read an article about uh, Notre Dame football and some of the um, they were, they kind of forced themselves to modernize basically. And the article basically said that during a game this year, they were playing some songs from the Black Panther soundtrack, and the players kind of froze in their tracks and looked up, you know, to the speakers like, "Are we really playing this at home?" And it was such a um, an outlier from what they had done in the past. <laughs> I thought, and no offense to older music and older, I mean, I love older music, but um, we're not listening to stuff I want to listen to. We're listening to stuff that the players want to listen to and future players want to listen to. And that's a huge part of what goes on at games. And I think sometimes it's hard for fans to take a step back and realize that, um, that we're this isn't, uh, you're not going to please everybody. And if we're going to please a, one demographic, uh, we want to get through to those future Boilermakers. Yeah, no question. The students play a, a large role because the more excited the students can are at a game, the better the atmosphere is because they, they bring such 
um, a big part of that, especially in Mackie. So we, we, I'm, I'm of the age where a lot of the stuff we play is not, is not on my phone. Um, but if it gets everybody excited, then it, you know, it's, it's not about me. Um, and the players and, and students are, are the, the key group that we focus on. All right, question two here on the final four. What is uh, your favorite book or maybe a good book you've read recently? Uh, that is a tough question because I am not a huge uh, reader uh, from a uh, you know business standpoint. Like um, it's an older book, I guess, but like Good to Great, I think is a really good book. You know, from a, from a management uh, style kind of st- um, um, philosophy. I agree with a lot of that's in that book. And then uh, personally, I'm into I like a lot of um, kind of the uh, Navy SEALs, and so I've read a lot of really? the, yeah, okay. Bin Laden books and, um, you know, kind of war war history. Nothing really jumps out, but that's the that's the genre that I'm usually in. We're supposed to have the Navy SEALs visit our team next summer, so we'll have to loop you in on yeah. that one. I, I do not like reading. I'm not good at it. I'm just not a fan. But uh, I would have to say growing up, uh, the Harry Potter books definitely were ones that I actually read and read front to back so um but yeah reading is not not a hobby of mine it seems like i have a i referenced my wife once a podcast and uh, i thought we would get through this one without a reference but she is right <laughs> now obsessed with harry potter where i think she's read i know she's read each book and i think she's listened to every each one as well on a on a book on tape and now she started listening to podcasts about Harry Potter. <laughs> so have it's gone a down, have you gone down to the, the Wizarding World. Or full blown obsession. Down? I have uh, dabbled a little bit in Hogwarts. Uh, I've uh, I read uh, part of the first book to my son every night. We take turns putting him to bed. So I'm getting like every other chapter uh, yeah. in the first season. I've seen part of the first movie. So I'll get there eventually. I do want to read it. Um, I just haven't uh, dove in. Have you read any of the Harry Potter books, Larry? Um. Michelle has a 10 year old boy yeah and he's obsessed and he's uh, he's been obsessed with the whole series and he carries around uh, about three or four books at a time and and he can go through every every, every sentence of it so yeah I haven't read it but I sure have heard about it well Monica swears about it. she says it's fantastic and she uh She's she's pushing out there to anybody who she said it's there's a lot a lot of depth to it so not just a children's book so I'll I'll get to it eventually. All right, question three here on the final four: If you could wave a wand and do any other profession tomorrow, what would it be? Professional baseball player. That's um, what posi- now. What position would you would you be? Uh, probably outfield. I always like the outfield. I like to throw. Um, so I don't think I'd be good enough to pitch, but I like I like the outfield, I like the idea of throwing people out. So you'd be the right fielder with the strong arm, yeah. cutting guys down, down going to third. Yep. I think something in the music industry for me that would definitely be what I'd what I'd love to do. Perform- if I wasn't doing performer. Performer. I mean, if I was any good, maybe, but <laughs> yeah, it's a it's definitely a hobby of mine. So. So you mentioned earlier when you go to concerts, what uh, what what uh, your the best concert you've seen recently. Best concert I've seen. That's a hard one. I would have to say, um, we went to Garth Brooks in uh, Indy, and that was that was pretty great. So, yeah, he I can't. Had... I've never seen him before, um, and that was that was pretty pretty fantastic. I've heard a lot of people went to those shows and, and loved him, and he's playing uh, up in Notre Dame here in a couple weeks in the football stadium. Next First Saturday, yeah. concert they've ever had there, yeah. which is they're really getting nuts up there. Yeah. What's going on? 
Garth Brooks at Notre Dame, huh? Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Well, I don't think I'll be making that one, but that'll be uh, some uncharted waters up there in South Bend. All right, our final question here on the Final Four. What is something that not many people or no one knows about you? I'll go back to my hometown. That's what I throw out so the people close to me know. But my hometown, uh, it's Collinsville, Illinois. It's uh, got two claims to fame. We, uh, uh, It's the horseradish capital of the world. Um, and, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and we have the world's largest uh, ketchup bottle. So we can we can uh, make <laughs> some mean uh, cocktail so sauce. So condom, condiment lovers. <laughs> that's right. If that's you're right. a condiment lover listening yeah. to the Boardwalk so Podcast, my, get the Collinsville, <laughs> Illinois. Right. Some of my staff got to see the uh, uh, world's largest ketchup bottle this summer. We went back for a game. <laughs> under Collinsville. That's right. Yep. Collinsville is a great basketball, uh, high school basketball Hit town. Yeah, Virgil Fletcher and uh, uh, Bob Bone was the coach when I was there. But yeah. Well, we had uh, uh, Kev- uh, Kevin Stallings, yep. I-, I believe, was Collinsville. He did. I talked to him about it when uh, when Vanderbilt played here uh, a couple of years ago. We went obviously we went to the same high school, and he went there and. Yeah, yeah, long, long uh, tradition there. So, is the ketchup bottle glass or plastic? It's a water tower. Uh. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's there. It's 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 made the rounds. It's in a lot of a uh, lot of places and annotated. A long time ago, they uh, when uh, Pittsburgh was building their football stadium, Heinz Field, there was a rumor that they were going to put a bigger ketchup bottle, so that our hometown like pleaded with like Pittsburgh, like hey, don't take this away from us. <laughs> And so they decided not to put a ketchup bottle outside of Heinz Field. Um, so we still have it. Now, how did it become the horseradish capital? I don't. You know, it's, there's still agriculture there, and so it's just that's the that's the uh, you know like soybeans are one place or another. Horseradish is huge there. There's a whole horseradish festival uh, in the summer. If you uh, got some time in June, I can I can uh, hook you up with that. Ah, uh, prime rib, prime <laughs> rib. Oh. Prime rib with a little horseradish sauce. Mm. Now, do they? They don't grow horseradish there, do they? Yeah. Because yeah. horseradish is a big root. Yeah. And I, the only reason I know this is, uh, we were back in uh, my wife's hometown um, in Pennsylvania, Lancaster County, and we were at a farmers market, and they were grinding fresh horseradish and bottling it up. And we went by, and I bought a bottle. And the guy there said that they get. He said that ninety percent of the horseradish is grown in Mississippi, which I didn't. I, didn't, I had no idea. But these horseradish. I don't know if anybody's ever seen a horseradish root. It is huge. It is. It looks like a five-pound white carrot is what it looks like. And when he when you grind it fresh, like he he had a, he had to have a fan going because you wouldn't be able to do it and stand over it if you're doing it like that. So, wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. See what you learn on the Boiler yeah. Ball podcast. <laughs> I don't. I've never verified any of those claims, but that's uh, growing up. That's what's been. We've got a festival in the summer celebrating horseradish, and uh, <laughs> there's always a there's a birthday party for the ketchup bottle every year. I mean, it's a big deal. Big wow. deal. Wow. Right Michaela, what's uh, a little-known fact about you? It's not that exciting, but uh, I was a tap dancer when I was younger, and I was pretty good oh at my. it, actually. So <laughs> that was uh, I did that um, all grown up, and then I got probably junior year in high school, had to kind of decide whether I wanted to dance or play sports. I went the sports route. Um, but, yeah, not many people know that. I was a, a full-on tap dancer. When's the last time you've tap danced? It's funny. There are still things I remember, like songs will come on. I'm like, I remember we did something to this, and, like, I'll still remember the moves and stuff, but it's been since high school, probably. 
I would love, <clears throat> I would love to get a pair of those shoes. Sounds like a halftime and train yeah. the upcoming uh, basketball game. So it sounds like to me. Well, uh, yeah, yep. The uh, manager's game the night before, maybe. I would love to do that, and I've never, I've never had a pair of those shoes on. It always looks awesome. I know I'd be terrible at it. Uh, my wife right now is cringing at the thought. Uh, she used to tap dance as well, and she loves it. She, she cringes does. about half of the stuff you do. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Well, uh, very, uh, very good stuff here today, and and uh, just kind of on behalf of our program, thanks for all you do. I know uh, not only do uh, does our program appreciate um, all your guys' efforts and creativity and everything our players do, and I know our fans out there certainly do as well. Um, we've had some people in the past that have emailed us and asked to, who are the people behind all these great ideas and everything like that. So I'm glad we were able to get you guys here on the podcast and. Uh, Looking forward to this season and um, some of the things you guys have up your sleeve. Thanks for having us, and we appreciate the support throughout the year with you and Coach Payne yeah, and the thank players. You. Thank you. Yep, we're excited. It's been a long off season. We're ready, ready to get going here in November. Yep, all of our best friends will be joining us here on November first, our first exhibition game against Marion here well, in Madison. We hope. We hope, and then uh, November sixth uh, against Fairfield to open up the season. Cliz, any parting shots for the day? Uh, no, um, I feel good and, um, I'm looking forward to getting back home. Um, I, I just had a visit there and, uh, looking uh, forward to the start of the season and looking forward to November 1st. I think that's been my goal all along, uh, E and I think I'm, I think I'm still right on it. So, well, it's, that's a good thing. We're all very, uh, very pleased to hear that. We're all looking forward to those first couple games and, uh, We'll see what we have up our sleeve to introduce you to the crowd to uh, give you a nice welcome back. All righty. <laughs> All right. That is uh, Podcast 49 here for the Boilerball Podcast. want to appreciate or thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. Always appreciate the emails. Keep them coming at boilerballpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well. Be well.